Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here uh, doing the intro and outro in our home studio, Pond City Market. But this one was recorded at our Hollywood studios in Hollywood, California. Uh, Everyone, I had Jordan Morris on to talk about Point Break. Uh, Jordan is an old pal that I met through, um, uh, met at Max FunCon, our friend Jesse Thorne, mutual friend that Jordan has known since college, and they actually started out um, in college together doing comedy. Uh, You get to hear this backstory too, which is really fun, um, doing college radio together. And they are still working together on Jordan, Jesse Go, the great podcast on the Max Fun Network. Uh, Jordan is also the creator and head writer and showrunner for Bubble, uh, the wonderful uh, comedy sci-fi kind of bonzo fun scripted podcast that came out last year. Uh, Hopefully Bubble 2 will be coming out sometime soon. Really, really good stuff. Check it out if you haven't. But Jordan's a great guy, and it was a lot of fun sitting down and talking Point Break with him. Such a fun, fun movie. So uh, without any delay, everyone, here is Jordan Morris on Point Break. Where do you live right now? West Hollywood. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This was not a hard drive at all. Yeah, that's good. Um, I stay when I come here at this place, like right around the corner. So it's really cool. Cool. 
it's a dumb uh, glitzy hotel, but hey. it's like 500 feet away. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so it's kind of good. Yeah, that's awesome. I've gotten to know the Hollywood Boulevard well. Um, are you guesting on anybody's show while you're out here? No. Cool. No, I didn't put the word out. Yeah. Um, I'd still love to do JJ Go at some point. Yeah, next time you're you're in town. Um, yeah, well, I'll definitely us, be coming back in June for Max Fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, Con. let's definitely do it. Um, and I usually come out Thursday. When do you guys record? We usually record Sunday, but I think we could we could make an exception. <laughs> or maybe Sunday? you could be our guest at Max Fun Con <clears throat> if we do the if we tape live. Oh goodness! Anyway, well, hey. Well, let's park that to the side. Of course, of course. No, no need to get our calendars out now. I don't, I don't want you to write any checks that. That's true. Jesse doesn't want to cash. <laughs> it's funny, man. All these '80s movies this week. It's weird. Interesting. Well, technically, Point Break is '90s. Yeah, '91. Yeah. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, Orange County. Oh, I didn't <clears throat> know you were semi-local. Yeah, I mean, I was born in Beaumont, Texas, but we um, we moved to uh, Orange County, California, uh, when I was like three. So uh-huh. I kind of consider that to be where I was born and raised. So you you don't, you don't relate to Texans? Not really. I mean, we went out there for like our family vacations uh-huh. and stuff, and my like you know my mom's sisters still live out there. My mom, right. my mom's sisters that does, and so my cousins live out there. So I like have fondness for Texas, right? And certainly, uh, you know, love any <clears throat> excuse to go to Austin for work because it is yeah. the world's funnest place. It is fun, um, but yeah, no, I I I consider myself a a chill SoCal local, a chill SoCal, mm-hmm. <laughs> the OC local, hanging ten. <laughs> Smoking dubs, you know the OC way, baby. You don't do either. One Being of those weirdly things, do you? religious, <laughs> you might as well be one of the ex presidents. Yeah. Um, do you have siblings and stuff? Uh, I have a little sister um, who is now thirty. Right. So a thirty-year-old little. It's weird to call a thirty-year-old your little sister. How old yes, are you now? Uh, Thirty-six. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, she is. Uh, she is a lawyer. So we are the kind of archetypal. Um, Sensible one and creative one. Right. Her being the sensible one, me being the creative one. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, she's a, she's a hoot. She's a hoot? <laughs> and, you know, anytime I need some legal advice, she's always there. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. she back in Texas or? Uh, no, she's in Orange County. So oh, she okay. lived up here for a little bit but um, moved back there to work for the county. So Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. Um, how What was it like growing up in your household? I always like to get a read on. Sure. Um <clears throat> Because I had a, I had a, not super unique, but I had parents that weren't that super into movies and right. k- pop culture, and I mean it's not like they shunned it, mm-hmm. but I didn't definitely didn't have the parents who were like, oh god, you got to watch this, yeah, or you should listen to this. Um, yeah, I did not have that either. Uh, my uh, my parents were not that. You know, they they were they're not hip people, right? Um, you know, we you know saw movies at the mall, uh-huh. and you know watched a lot of network TV. Right. <laughs> um, you know, didn't you know didn't have HBO to be growing up. That was the mark of a family who was really cultured. Wow. If they had HBO, but we even had HBO. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you know, we uh, yeah, my my uh, my mother is a very nice woman mm-hmm. uh she's a you know she's a nurse she's been a nurse for her entire life oh that's great um not her entire life but you know sure. in her adulthood when she was uh, she wasn't a age. baby nurse <laughs> which would be a pretty I cute kid to show say, dude that's a premise uh yeah it's a it's a, a companion piece to boss baby right a more working class <laughs> boss baby little nurse um yeah so she uh 
I, I, she does not understand entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a hard time wrapping her head around it, but has always been very supportive. Like oh, I, cool. you know, I have I. I have a, a fucking boring ass childhood where my right. mom was nice and wanted me to do what I wanted to do. And <laughs> oh, the worst! I know it sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I want to come in. I want to. I want to come on these and talk about how I, right. you know, came home with green hair and had to sleep in the treehouse and you know smash my guitar against the wall. Yeah. But no, they were always really nice, even when I wanted to do kind of dorky stuff. You know, when I wanted to wear a cape to high school for right. a couple weeks and carry all my books in a bowling bag and do all that dumb. Did you do that? Yeah, bowling I was a, I was a I was a quintessential drama dork. Uh-huh. Uh, like so I discovered, you know, again, what a fucking boring ass backstory I have. So basic. That's not boring. It's a okay, yeah, um about standard for these kinds of things, I think. Well, I mean, it makes you stand out a bit in the the world of comedians because you're you're not tortured. That's true, yeah. You know, most of the, well not most, but But yeah, no, I definitely I mean, I have my ups and my downs, of course, and I struggle with various things, but yeah, sure. I, I definitely don't consider myself a sad clown. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a content clown who certainly has moments of darkness and self-doubt. Right. But essentially is is pretty happy to be where he's at. Yeah. Um, so you're doing drama in high school? I'm doing drama in high school. So yeah, I discovered drama and we had a little <clears throat> improv group, which was huge for me, which was like mind blowing. Yeah. Because I think I was always kind of a, you know, a, a, a goof off uh-huh. type. So I think the idea of being able to like goof off while people watched you yeah. was great. Yeah. We didn't have anything like that in our school. Oh, yeah. Not improv. I didn't even know that was a thing. Did you? Was there a drama club in uh, in school plays and stuff like that? Yeah, but I was. I mean, I've never been a performer. Um, yeah, which is funny now that I you know can get on a stage and right for for a shit ton of people. Yeah, but I've gotten used to that. But I'm still. Um, I don't consider myself a performer and like an actor. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> um, interesting, but it seems it seems like um, you know drama club. You know, draws in the like, look at me, kids, sure. which I was one of. Uh-huh. But I think it also draws in general kind of I'm artsy and haven't found my people yet, yeah. kids. I think, you know, like, outsiders. Yeah, I think like, you know, drama club, you know, the tech crew is filled with punk kids. Yeah. The like orchestra is filled with like band geeks. Right. I don't know. It seemed to be this kind of like nerd unifier, or at least it was at my high school. Uh-huh. So you have the kind of like, look at me, I know what rent is, right. kids. Yeah. But then, you know, the productions kind of pull in all these other kind of, um, you know, not jock types. Right. Anyway. Other types of John Hughes archetypes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> other other Breakfast Club members all kind of uh, band together. Were you popular? Uh, I mean, well, uh, here's uh, that th- that's complicated. So I was <laughs> I was homecoming king. Oh, wow. I was elected homecoming king, <clears throat> and I found out later, uh, like after I had graduated college, uh, I found out on MySpace. I uh, got in touch with this kid named Justin Reynolds. He Uh was the punk kid who hung the lights. Right. So, you know, he always had like a leather jacket and a Vice Squad butt flap. Right. Um, So Justin Reynolds was the like crew kid. And uh, I I friended him on MySpace. Uh And Is that what uh, you called that back then? Friended? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. What did you call it? I don't know. I don't. I don't think was I had my friending. Oh, I was, interesting. I was you late. skipped my space. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, yeah. and he sent me a message on the MySpace uh-huh. after I had friended him. Right. <laughs> Uh, saying that, hey, remember when you won Homecoming King? <clears throat> oh, I was no. I was working in the office and I rigged the ballot so wow. you would win. So I am a false, <laughs> a false Homecoming King of Capo Valley. Wow, that's yeah. better than I thought. I thought you were going to say I just had a pit in my stomach. I thought you were going to say that it was like carried. I got like, carried. Oh yeah. yeah, that it was just a big <laughs> joke on right. you. Uh, so no, I mean I got again, uh, uh, again, uh, boring backstory. I. You know, Orange County is a pretty conservative place, sure. I think, up until very, very recently. Actually, up until this election, I think, it always goes red. It's like Oh, the, did it swing? It's like the one little pocket of California yeah. that was red until very recently, which is nice. Good on you, uh, good on you Orange County. Um, so, you know, uh, so yeah, so it's pretty conservative. You know, there is a like jock culture for mm-hmm. sure. Like a lot of surfer guys turned water polo guys. Oh. Like those were kind of our jocks. Okay. We're kind of a bleached blonde. Right. You know, um, maybe much like some of the characters in today's movie, Point Break. <laughs> yeah. So that like culture is very prevalent in Orange County. Uh-huh. But I was able to go to high school, sometimes in a cape, sometimes right. carrying my books in a bowling bag. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't get hassled too much. I mean, I had a little bit of teasing, but I kind of got to just be a little weirdo and experiment. And I'm really like grateful for that because yeah. you know, you know, you hear stories from other creative people about how it was like a struggle, and people sure. didn't want them to do that, and everybody wanted them to straighten up and put on a tie, and mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, I kind of, I, I was very, very lucky to grow up, you know, being able to like experiment and be a goofball and find myself. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really thankful that that was my upbringing, upbringing for sure. Well, I mean, you're funny and that's always a secret weapon, I think. Yeah. So even if you um, are at risk of being bullied, if you're funny, that helps, I think. Yeah. And I think I can, I think I can code switch between yeah. nerd and bro. Maybe not nerd and jock, but nerd and bro, yeah, which is the bridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think I can, you know, because uh, yeah, I think I can. Uh, I think I kind of learned how to like talk to that sort of yeah. person and not come off like a, you know, artsy goober. Right. <laughs> And then once I'm away from them, I can turn back into an artsy goober. I haven't heard goober in a while. Yeah. Let's bring that back. Sure, I know. Hey, I'm proud. I'm I'm a proud goober. Hey, if you're out there and you're a proud goober, hit me up. Hashtag goob squad. Goob troop. When did you um, – like were you legit acting and stuff in the plays? And- yeah, and I think that's not necessarily because I was a good actor but just cause because I think the drama club needed boys. Uh-huh. I think that's the curse of many high school drama departments is they just need yeah. boys. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I, I got up on stage pretty regularly um, – not not because of because I'm I'm you know super talented at performing, but because I was just enthusiastic and wanted to be there and would show right. up and uh, was a boy. So right. And what about the uh, the improv? Is that was that through the school? Like it was actually yeah. A- so we did a thing called comedy sports with a Z, <laughs> uh, and it I think comedy sports with a Z is still active in L.A. I think they still have a performance space. I'm not positive, but they you know take they have teachers. You know, people who are part of their troupe go mm-hmm. to high schools and kind of teach them rudimentary improv games, stuff you would see on Whose Line Is It Anyways. Right. A lot of like, 
you know, all right, like we're going to give you a weird hat and you guys have to make up a scene. Right. Uh, stuff like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we – so these these people from comedy sports would come – you know, would come to the high school and teach us these games and help us put on these little shows. And we were very thrilled because our coach uh, was had played a helicopter pilot <laughs> on That's My Bush, That's the my Comedy Bush. Central show about George W. Bush. I don't remember that. It was some, the South Park guys did it. Oh, really? And it was like in the That's My Bush. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so he was on that show though. Yes, he was. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, like, it was my first time meeting a, like, professional creative person, which I did not grow up around. Uh I think a lot of people think that, you know, Orange County is close to L.A., so you probably knew a lot of show business people. Like, I did not. Like, I knew – the only grown-ups I knew were, like, real estate people and jet ski salesmen. Right. Like, that is who (laughs) lives in Orange County. So, like, meeting a creative person, a professional creative person was a pretty big deal. Uh Uh-huh. yeah, and then and then because we met the comedy sports guy, we would like pile in my mom's van and drive up to LA to see improv shows. Wow. So yeah, that was kind of like my my childhood adventures were like piling in a van and going to see improv shows and punk shows. So uh-huh. that was kind of like my you know, first little glimpse at yeah. the grown-up world. That's cool, though. I mean, that's great access. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It was age. really nice to have that yeah. stuff around. Yeah, I, feel, I didn't have a lot of that going on around me. And Atlanta, that's where you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta. It was just, I had no idea that you could do this as a job. Yeah, um, yeah. Not podcasting, obviously. That was sure, yeah. not a thing in just a, the a 80s. Just a glimmer, <laughs> a glimmer in the eye of... Yeah, but Silicon Valley. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know you could do that. I, I just. I don't know. I never thought about movies in that way. Like this yeah. is a job you can do. Right. I always thought I would be a fun drama teacher. Right. Which is. I, I mean, still, still time for that. I mean, could <laughs> could very well still happen. Uh, and and probably, no shame in that either. Of like, course not. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. If you're a fun drama teacher out there, good on you. Like, for sure. Giving. Giving the artsy goobers of the world a yeah. chance to like express themselves. No, that is a very important, uh, very important, noble job for sure. Yeah. Well, both of my parents were teachers, so I identify oh, yeah? with that a bit. Oh, that's right. Your dad was like your English teacher, right? My principal. Your principal. Yes. Oh man, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, elementary school, that is. Uh, high school, it probably would have been a little tougher, I think. Now, I don't know. I don't know the geography of Georgia that well, but okay. I mean. You know, I think Athens has that, like, legendary yeah. music scene. Did uh-huh. you pile in a station wagon and go see bands in Athens, or was that not possible? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Uh, Athens is an hour away. I went to school there. Oh, yeah? So when I was 18, I oh, went that's right. didn't you college and, like, didn't Didn't you, like, back. rent videos to Michael Stipe or something? Yeah. He, he came by the video store. Cool. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, a feather in your cap. Yeah. I mean, college was really where I... Uh, um, blossomed into like a complete normal human, though. Sure. Um, but especially in Athens, you know, plenty of opportunity. But I, I didn't. I mean, I was going to concerts and stuff from the time I was like thirteen. Yeah. But it was, you know, the big shows at the big arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was not nearly cool enough to know about like, like the coolest shit I was listening to was like The Cure and The Smiths and REM and stuff. Okay. I was pretty cool in the, but yeah, but I, not not on the punk scene though. Like, sure, yeah. I was, I was not privy to that. that. Though that was kind of like on the radio at that point. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
But this is about you. That's true. This is about me. I'm, yeah. I'm naturally inquisitive. I'm sorry. When, uh, uh, when did you start, like, well, tell me about meeting Jesse in college. Sure, cause, yeah. Because that um, was a pretty big deal. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think based, you know, so I kind of, like, had, had started thinking about, you know, oh, okay, like, yeah, I like TV and I like comedy and that has to get there somehow. Maybe people write it. Where do mm-hmm. they, you know, so I, but, you know, it was still kind of baffling to me. And yeah. so then I went to college at UC Santa Cruz, right. which is kind of Northern California. Yeah. What's it like there? Jesse jokes about it so much, but yeah, it I always is, wonder what the truth is. Uh, it is a, uh, it is a, uh, it is a hilarious, <clears throat> ridiculous, beautiful place. Uh-huh. Uh, really, really, a, a really special kind of magical place. It is, you know, it is very, very hippy dippy. Mm-hmm. It is pretty, pretty stuck in the nineties. Uh, I went back a couple years ago, and you know, people were still wearing flannel shirts tied around their waists, oh, yeah? and there were still like posters for bands on sublime. telephone poles. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, maybe a little less sublime and a little more. Hmm. Let's let me. Th- yeah, I mean, I think Sublime's not quite right, but okay. I mean, I'm 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 very sensitive to <laughs> California musical geography. Yeah, that was more San Diego, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think Sublime are uh, famously from Long Beach, but I think definitely, probably their core fan base was in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like White Stoners, uh-huh. White White Dreadlocks. Sure. Uh, although there were a lot of white dreadlocks at UC Santa Cruz, but I think they probably listened to actual reggae, right? <laughs> and and really let you know about it. Really yeah. <laughs> let you know that their shit was the real shit. Was uh-huh. really iray. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is. You know, it's a little hippie paradise. It's a little. You know, there's a little Berkeley spice in there. Mm-hmm. There's a little like Venice Beach. You know, peppered in. Right. And it's kind of just this little enclave. It is very, very. You know, radically liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, How big is it? It is, boy. I don't know. I think I think it is definitely one of those places where the biggest part of the town is the university. Uh-huh. So I think that like university students are a pretty big portion of the population, right? Uh, so yeah, but then you had you know the locals were a lot of like surf burnouts and mm-hmm. people who sold candles <laughs> and you know stuff like that. Although I have maybe heard that. Some of Silicon Valley has started to trickle oh, down there. It's creeping in. Yeah. How um, far is that from San Francisco? It's an hour and some change. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's that people will drive that. Yeah, sure. I think yeah, and I think maybe if, you know, you are a you are a little bit of a a, a, a crunchier granola, one of those tech mm-hmm. guys, you probably like the, you know, the you know, salt air and the uh-huh. access to surfing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it, it it's a silly place. It you know it does definitely is its own little reality. Um. And definitely you know, it 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 did not. They did not provide any kind of resources to have a career in show business. Mm-hmm. I think I went into the you know career counseling person when I was about to graduate and asked about any like internships or you know entry level PA type jobs in showbiz. And I think they had one one listing for <clears throat> an assistant camera operator for a local news station in San Jose. Right. So you know, and I think I think you know the like performance and writing programs were preparing you to be like an agitprop street clown. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably <laughs> the like the 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 highest calling of the UC Santa Cruz performance graduates. Right. Can you, you know, can you create some sort of 
challenging street art right. to freak out squares. Right. Like you're going to need a trunk that you can fit a lot of props in, but yeah. you can also carry it under your arm. Yes, exactly. As you're running down the street. <laughs> right, exactly. When the <laughs> cops are chasing you away for fucking speaking the truth yeah. and freaking out the... <laughs> anyway, so uh, so Jesse Thorne, uh, owner and uh, and head, head haunch over at Maximum Fun. Mm-hmm. So we met, he was my RA. Wow. Uh, B4 South in the Porter Porter dorms. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so I thought he was a cool dude because he, you know, he was a comedy nerd. He had mm-hmm. like a Kids in the Hall poster and a Tenacious right. D poster. Yeah. Um, kind of some of that, you know, fringy comedy stuff that, you know, you always felt like someone was a kindred spirit if they liked. Yeah, and I remember that, uh, I remember that dorm thing where the posters were such a, such a signifier. Totally. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, a lot of thought went into what you put on your wall. Yeah, it really, like, said a lot about you or what you – yeah, it was, like, the person you wanted to be, kind of. Yeah, you, at least if you feel like I did, which was, like, maybe a little nervous in your own skin. Totally. Like, I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to put this poster up because it's just fucking what I like. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, if I put up this Jane's Addiction poster, right. like, I do love them, but – Boy, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the things I like. Very the ones I, the ones I display. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe keep some of the other stuff quiet. Um. Yeah. So we met, and he was on. He was on the like UC Santa Cruz improv group uh-huh. called Humor Force Five. Uh huh. A, a, a bad, embarrassing improv team name. If there ever was one, they're all pretty bad. Though. I know. Exactly. Yeah. That's always a fun thing to do when you're meeting another, you know, comedy person. Is yeah. ask them. The name of their embarrassing college improv uh-huh. group. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were Fart Patrol. Right. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we were Satellite of Love. Yeah, okay. I know. Right. Um. So, yeah. So, uh, so you know, uh, he – so we uh, – so I started doing the improv group over there, Human mm-hmm. Force 5, and then – uh, Jesse also was a DJ on the college radio station, KZSC right. 88.1 FM, the heavyweight mm-hmm. 88. And he, uh, uh, yeah, so he, he had me come in and do little bits on his, uh, college radio show. And then I started co-hosting it with him. And yeah, and that was kind of the, you know, <coughs> that was kind of the, the, uh, Zenith Genesis. What word am I looking for? I the start, <laughs> the beginning, the Xenogist. the Xenogist. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that sounds like a uh, a Rush album. Yeah, Xenogist. <laughs> and uh, and so we, uh, so yeah, and that was kind of the start of our podcast. So we did that college radio show together. Yeah. Um, what was the name of it? Uh, it was called "The Sound of Young America." Oh, okay. Which. Became his NPR show, which right. he changed the name of to Bullseye. To Bullseye, I used to love that name. I yeah, remember when he it was changed a cool it. Name. I was like, "Man, Sound of Young America is so good." I know. I think it was. Uh, I think it was like um, it was some record label slogan that might have sued him. Oh, really? So yeah, I think it was like the oh, that makes sense. Daptone slogan at one point oh, or something like that. Okay. Um, anyway, so we uh, so yeah, so when he moved to LA, so after college, I moved to LA and started doing like PA jobs. Mm-hmm. And he moved here kind of shortly after, and then we, he's just like, "Do you want to start doing our old college radio show, but on the internet? Right. It's called a podcast." Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So we're still doing it today. Yeah, how many years now? I think twelve years. Yeah, because you guys got in about a year before I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, I think we, you know uh, us and, uh, and you and Jimmy Pardo and right. uh, and some of those early Ricky Gervais podcasts yeah. were kind of some of the I first 
to Mark you know, Maron, of course. Yeah, Mark Maron. I think Mark Maron was a little bit later. I a been, little later, but yeah. didn't like Jesse set him up? I think so. Yeah, I think there's that's part of it. Yeah, as he kind of helped him get his gear together. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely like you know we were, we yeah we we were here before all you kids. I know. In your cereals, <laughs> in your makings of murderers. Well, it's funny too. Maybe that's a Netflix show. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean, you like murder on podcasts. You guys sure. like murder. Yeah, it's lots your, of murder. Yes. Anyway, uh, when um when serial hit it big and all the articles started flooding in, like New York Times sure. or New Yorker about you know this this new thing, and I know a lot of us had a sort of a half smirk about it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also like I was smart enough to know like this is great. Totally, you absolutely. Know? Like yeah. I can roll my eyes a little bit, but I love cereal. Yeah, totally. Cereal, cereal so is great. I mean, for the I think industry. it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. Yeah, it was a little silly how it's like. There's this new thing called a podcast, yeah. and it's also a cereal, right? You know, I think the <laughs> the like media was a little dumb with that. Yeah, but um, yeah, absolutely no. I think it's been huge for the industry, and definitely yeah. like so nice that you know we can this thing that we do we can a keep doing it mm-hmm. we can put it out every week without it being a financial burden on us right and also maybe it could turn into something else it's great to see podcasters you know turning their shows into books and tv shows right. and comics and kind of all this other stuff so it's really great that not only can this be a little job uh-huh. but also it could maybe turn into something else. So that's like awesome. And I think that's, you know, Serial was a big part of that for sure. Yeah. What a, as someone who has done the same show for a long time Mm -hmm. as well, like what do you, how do you approach it after 12 years? Well, I mean, Jordan, Jesse Go, the show I do with Jesse is a, it's kind of its own, it's it's a special case because it is not about anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just us chatting with a guest each week. Yeah. Um, And we have some kind of recurring segments and stuff like that. But it's, you know, for better or for worse, it is the two white guys chatting podcast. Right. It's the joke about podcasts. Yeah. It's just two white guys, you know. But it wasn't a joke when you started. (laughs) No, 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 of course. And I think, you know, that that was its own little genre for a while. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, um, but so, you know, I don't think – I, you know, we have a we have a really great, loyal, nice, nice fan base. They're not – God, it's so nice to do something on the internet yeah. for not assholes. Yeah, same here, man. We've got good folks that Yeah, listen. so we have this kind of great little pocket. It's not a giant audience, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're strong and they're loyal and they like the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, they, they donate to Max Fund. So, you know, we make a little bit of money each month mm-hmm. from their nice donations. And so, you know, it's not a – you know, it's not a financial suck on us to do the podcast. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think either of us thinks that, you know, 12 years in Jordan Jesse Go is going to become, you know, a TV show or something like that. But I think it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. We get to see each other, which is nice. Uh, yeah. You know, is that uh, part of it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think Jesse and I are very different in that he uh, he is, is married with three kids. Right. And, you know, doesn't get out to hang a lot. Yeah. So I think the kind of the podcast is our hang mm-hmm. or we get to kind of catch up and, you know, like other friends too, you know, we, you know, the comics we have on the show or the people we have on our show are usually buds. Right. So it's, you know, it's a kind of a fun little chance to catch up and yeah. And, you know, and, and the audience is kind of nice and they, you know, kind of kindly donate. So it's like, okay, we can still do this <clears throat> and it's worth doing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't think, I think we, you know, we do it because we love it and we do it because our fans are so nice. Mm-hmm. I don't think we are looking to 
take it to any other kind of level. Yeah. So yeah, I think Jordan Jesse Go is just kind of a nice part of my life that has always been that will always just be a pleasure. Like it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 rarely stressful and it's rarely you know work. anything. But yeah, yeah. It does. It definitely does not feel like work. Yeah. So is it the kind of thing you want to do? Forever? I think so. I mean, I can't think of a reason that we would stop doing Jordan Jesse Go. I mean, yeah. maybe there would be some sort of like hiatus if, you know, I don't know, if there was family stuff uh-huh. or if I, you know, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe one of us would get a job in, you know, New York or something and right. would have to put it on hold for a while. But yeah, I mean, I think it's something we want to do for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. I don't yeah. think there's any reason to. That's cool. Yeah. My wife, uh, it's funny, about two months ago, she heard a snippet of your theme song mm-hmm. by The Free Design Yes, on uh, maybe a TV show. Yeah, there was an Amazon show. It was the Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph Amazon Dude, show. Used a little totally bit. it. Yes. We watched Got a lot that. of tweets because of that. Yeah. And she freaked out because she was just like, I know that song. I know that yeah, song. Yeah. And she doesn't listen to podcasts. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, well, I know you don't know it from that. Right. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute. I know that song. I figured out very quickly that was J.J. Go. Yeah. Um, but she did a deep dive on the internet and realized it was a song that her babysitter sang for her. Really? When she would go to sleep when Aww. she was a little kid. It does have lullaby-ish qualities it for does. sure. It does. So she like had this big moment of like all this flood of memories coming back with wow. this song. Hadn't heard it since she was like four. Yeah. And heard it again and was like, oh, my God. And I was like, yeah, that's Jordan Jesse Goes theme song. She's like, really? <laughs> that's funny. And learned all the words and now sings it to my daughter in bed every Aww, night. Oh, that's really cute. And I do a little background, like, bum, bum, bum. And oh, that's great. I can't commit the words to memory because I'm terrible <laughs> like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of become a fun little thing. And, like, now every night when I put my daughter to bed, like, weirdly – in the back of my brain, I'm thinking of you guys. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I mean, you should just complete the complete the experience after you sing the song to your daughter. Just, just put make a bunch of. Well, I was gonna say make a bunch of dick jokes and oh. remember old Sega Genesis games, <laughs> right, exactly. which is the bulk of the podcast. <laughs> Pretty much talking about our balls, remembering Sega Genesis. Um, let's talk about Bubble before we get on sure. Point Break, though. Yes, um, that is the scripted comedy show right. that you put out last year mm-hmm. with Max Fun. Yeah. And was, how did that come about? Was that your baby? Yeah. So, I mean, I, for years, worked on the TV show At Midnight. That's right. Um, on Comedy Central. Um, how was that? You had a good time doing that. Yeah, right? that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, that was a really fun writer's room. And, you know, just like the guests that they brought in through that place were amazing. So it was like, you know, getting a cool new coworker every day. Yeah, every- and kind of your first big professional writing gig, wasn't it? Or was it? Yeah, I mean, I had had other, I had had a lot of other jobs in like, Deep cable mm-hmm. and like <laughs> deep, cable. deep cable. I was on. I've I did a lot of writing for Channel six hundred and twelve. Um, so a lot of like real obscure cable stuff and like internet stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, at midnight was my first uh, WGA job, certainly. Wow. And uh, yeah, definitely my first. You know, thing that was kind of high profile, right. more than people who watched Channel six hundred and twelve had heard about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so kind of that show was kind of approaching the end and I think we all uh-huh. kind of knew it was the end yeah. and, you know, everybody kind of started getting their, their writing samples in order to yeah. go out and look for jobs. Get those packets ready. Got to get those packets <laughs> ready. Uh, so yeah, I kind of was thinking about the kind of thing I wanted to do 
after at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, I think I was like, okay, well, boy, late night is sure a lot of Trump, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess you know the idea of doing more kind of news jokes seemed a little exhausting to yeah. me. Um, so yeah, but I'm like, okay, well, what do I like? I like sci-fi. I like genre stuff. I like, you know, I love it when that stuff has a sense of humor, Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, so yeah, so maybe I'll try and write a funny sci-fi thing. So Mm -hmm. I kind of had this vague idea of a, you know, of a hipster city that was kind of like a Silver Lake or a Portland or a Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Brooklyn that, you know, that was really great and had all this cool coffee and oh, all these bike lanes and dog parks. Right. But also it had these space monsters that killed you right. when you went for your morning jog. Yeah. You know, and I think it's part of, you know, just kind of the the joke of that being that like, you know, to live in one of these cool places is very nice, but it's also hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's expensive and, you know, cities can be nightmarish and, yeah. you know, and now that people are, you know, relying on the gig economy more. It's uh-huh. like, how do you make your rent in one of these places? Right. So, you know, kind of taking the struggle of that and, you know, and just adding a sci-fi element to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I kind of had this idea of a, you know, a hipster city where you had to fight monsters and kind of, you know, kind of slowly just kind of in my notes app kind of jotted down little ideas for characters or what the world would be like or the backstory. And yeah, and then just kind of like sat down to write it one day. And Were you thinking then, TV? Uh, I was thinking TV, yeah. yeah. And I didn't necessarily think it was something people would make because it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> But I thought this could be a good sample. Yeah. Like this is a good sample to, you know, right. that would get people from, you know, The Flash or whatever to interview me. Uh-huh. So you know, I so I wrote the so I wrote the sample, and we did a little staged reading of it here at uh, in a at a little comedy theater, and you know just recorded that and put out the audio. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well that's something I've kind of got on other people with writing samples is that I know podcast people, so yeah. I can make a little podcast like thing out of this, right? And um, you know, and that's that's just, that's a, that'll set it apart from the other fucking pile of scripts people get yeah. every day. Uh, yeah, so we, you know, so we, so I, uh, so we made that and then I had a couple of meetings about Bubble and, you know, you know, kind of the tone of them all was like, this is, this is cool. We like this. We will never make this, yeah. you know? Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of like that and it was mm-hmm. kind of frustrating and I'm like, ah, eh, boy, I mean, a lot of people seem to be responding to this thing, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to do anything with it. You right. know, that's the weird disconnect. Um, so yeah, so then I think Jesse... And Max Fun were thinking about trying something <clears throat> scripted, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I think that was kind of a natural choice for them because it already had a little fan base from the staged reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think then then you know they they uh, yeah they just kind of invested some money into hiring editors, writers, actors, and kind of yeah tried to do it as legit as possible. Tried to make it as a as mm-hmm. TV like an experience as yeah. possible. Uh, yeah, then we did uh, eight episodes, soon to be nine episodes, and uh, yeah, and it's it's uh, it 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 uh, it really it really took off in a way that was surprising and delightful. Yeah, I think you guys, uh, you see, I mean, uh, you're a groundbreaker, and I don't think you know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, you know, with Jordan Jesse Go starting out years ago, and then with Bubble, I think is, I mean, it's got to be the probably the biggest scripted comedy show that's been out, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of other there's a lot of other really great 
scripted genre things out there. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale comes to mind. I mean, well, sure. They um, and uh, the Bright Sessions is another great one. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Um, and yeah, and they've they've all kind of been doing this sort of thing uh, for a while with great success, and you know they they all have a lot of fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think Bubble was notable just because it was such a production. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Um, you know, we didn't want it to be like found audio, right. which I think a lot of things for mostly for production reasons yeah. are all kind of it's like tricky. this is found audio. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which is I mean, I which is a very cool way to do it, but I think you know, I just kind of felt like that had been done. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I think Bubble was just notable because it is a it you know it, it is a TV like product for your ears. Yeah, and it had a you know continuity and you know. It had an arc and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I, I think it was cool. I think we were definitely trying to do something new ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think we did. I think it's pretty. You know, that's oh, great. It definitely is. It's uh, you know it. Uh, yeah, I think it it does feel unique in the world of scripted podcasts. Yeah, and I think the timing of it too um, was was pretty pretty great. Like yeah. five years ago. It may not have uh, registered like it did now. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, podcasts have been going on for long enough. And, you know, and I think there's a certain – I mean, you. I'm sure you encounter this when you're, you know, sitting next to some strangers at a wedding mm-hmm. trying to explain what a podcast is. Yeah. And I think that now people have caught on mm-hmm. to the, you know, to the technology mm-hmm. and they're – they are willing to try some stuff that is a little more out there artistically, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Uh, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, so I think that, you know, there are enough chat podcasts and there are enough news podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think people. Plenty of true crime. There's plenty of true if crime. Noticed. If you want to, <laughs> yes, if you want to hear about a murder, uh-huh. there are now podcasts devoted exclusively to eye trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Any kind of murder you like, you can get a boutique podcast eye just trauma. for. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, do you like choking? Right. There's a whole <laughs> choking section of iTunes, of Apple Podcasts. Just type in murder.choking and yeah. you can get uh, – anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I think I think people are just like, cool, I got this. Podcasts are part of my life. They're mm-hmm. part of my commute. They're part of my yeah. media intake. Let's, let's try something new. Yeah, that's so. cool. I think we're all interested to see where that goes. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely nice, you know, I think, you know, being in a town that is full of people who have scripts that they love who yeah. d- that don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's nice that there's options. You can do podcasts or comics totally. or web series or yeah. – Yeah, so it, it, it is cool that some of these great ideas that are are great but, you know, you know TV can still be very conservative, um, not politically necessarily but just like – Taking chances on creatively, things. Yeah. yeah, totally. So it's nice that you know, just feeling like just because something is too out there for mm-hmm. NBC, right? That it would never find an audience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool time to be a creator and a writer. I think because gone are the days where you're just sort of sitting around waiting for your phone to ring. Yeah, um, you can be much more like proactive. Totally. And how you get your stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. It is really nice to it's nice to live in a world where you don't have to like rely on other you don't have to get permission to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you wanna do this, you can do it. Uh-huh. Uh you know, and it you know obviously we all would like to make some money. Sure. Uh, and we'd all like to be paid and have health insurance and stuff. But as mm-hmm. far as the creative part of it, it's like you can create your thing and you can have people who like your thing. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the, the the money and the health insurance comes later. Right. But uh, yeah, but it's nice to know that um, uh, 
uh, yeah, it's nice to know that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shall we? Let's shall. With Point Break. Oh, I would love to. All right. Um, This movie uh, came out when I was a, uh, the summer before my sophomore year in college. Mm -hmm. And for some reason that summer, me and my two friends, Chris and Jerry, saw a bunch of movies together. We, I think we're just in the same town. Yeah. And bored, mm-hmm. and um, Point Break was one of like the big ones that year for us. Okay, that I have cool. like very distinct memories. Yeah, of going to see this, and I even remember it. Uh, it rained very, very hard mm-hmm. after we saw it, and my friend. We so were you were getting friend's... out of the movie, and you're like, "It's the fifty year storm. <laughs> we're in it, dude." That was it, and we were in my friend's Jeep who had the top down. It wasn't raining when we went in. Yeah, and I remember this great drive and the pouring rain with the, <laughs> you know, and we were making all the jokes about Point Break and yeah. the 50 year storm. And it's just one of those movies that really like, uh, the actual viewing of the movie still stands out to me. That's awesome. All these years later. Yeah. I mean, it's a great movie to see with like a big group. It is a movie about 
groups and tribes and yeah. kind of made families. <laughs> so it's uh-huh. nice. It's nice to see that with your kind of like friend family. Yeah. What was your deal? And uh, I mean, you you probably saw this on VHS later, right? Yes. So this was I don't specifically remember the first time I saw this, but I remember it being a sleepover movie, uh-huh. like a movie that people had on VHS and maybe kind of later DVD. Uh-huh. Um, and it would be something you would put on at a sleepover yeah. and kind of watch the first couple minutes and then, you know, just sleepover shit would start. Sure. You know, you'll start talking <laughs> and fucking with each other and, you know, sleepover shit. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it was a movie <clears throat> that I had seen, but like had not, like I had fond memories of. And I've, obviously everything yeah. stopped. All the sleepover shit stopped when... Yeah, Lori Petty was towel changing by her car. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there was like – there was kind of like parts that we loved, uh-huh. but it was something that I had fond memories of but rarely sat down to watch the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and of course you knew the lines. You sure. knew Via Con Diaz. You uh-huh. knew Are You Gonna Jump or Jerk Off? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm young, dumb, and full of cum. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean there's I so many, so many lines in this. So, yeah, it was kind of a movie that existed in little chunks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then I remember like in college actually sitting down and like watching it in a dark room yeah. and paying attention and going like, this is kind of a great movie. Yeah. Like this is kind of a foo boy. I might get some shit for this. This is a diehard caliber action <laughs> movie that is cool and thoughtful and very funny. It is very funny. Um, uh, like watching it, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's corny as hell. Yes. But like, that's because that's the kind of movies that they were making then. Like, yeah. Like the DNA of Catherine Bigelow's career right. was all there. But they, she just wasn't allowed to make movies like The Hurt Locker. Totally. At that point. Yeah. And in it, does, it does feel like this movie is is a commentary and maybe even a little bit of a satire on those kinds of movies. It's definitely so. a turned up to 11 version of uh-huh. those, you know – Van Damme, Steven Seagal, you know, Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone movies. You yeah. Know? And it I does feel, feel like, like the tongue is in cheek. Yeah. It Unless feel, I'm just totally making that up. I don't think so. And I think that's, that's a big question about Point Break is it how is. much of it is funny on purpose. Right. And it's a fun thing to kind of puzzle out. And it I is. do I do genuinely think that the crazy stuff they know is crazy uh-huh. and they're doing it for fun. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, a great example of that is there's this awesome foot chase where oh, Keanu Reeves is just chasing. One of the best foot chases. It's so rad. Yeah. And these are really well put together. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when you go back and watch all these action movies, the action doesn't hold up just mm-hmm. because action has changed so much. Yeah. It's like, how do you watch, <clears throat> how do you watch Kickboxer in a world where you've also seen The Raid? Right. It's like, it just looks so fucking lame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this movie is, you know, is 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 done by a pretty brilliant filmmaker. And yeah. so the action is really terrific. Totally I think it holds, holds up. up. But there's this moment in that foot chase. I know what you're going to say. Well, yes, sure. I mean, it's it's <laughs> iconic. It's iconic. It is Bruce Willis walking over the glass. Uh-huh. It is Patrick Swayze throws a yes. dog at Keanu Reeves. He throws a pit bull at him. Keanu Reeves catches it and then punts it like a football. <laughs> they know that's funny. They know that. Oh, and it's so funny. I As I watched it for this, I let it. I let the credits play because uh-huh. um, I was enjoying the, uh, the rat the uh-huh. rat song. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, God. What is that song called? Oh, I don't know. Nobody Rides for Free. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it was, and so I was enjoying the music, and I just kind of I noticed the the you know the part where it says animals were not harmed in the making of this. Uh-huh. So it, I had never seen this before. In the credits, it says, uh, and there is a scene of an animal being harmed, but the but it, a decoy of the animal was used. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, they. I think. I mean, obviously, that's a pretty good credit. Was, pun- was punting a false dog. <laughs> Another I mean, great Rush album. Yeah. <laughs> Punting a false dog. You're going to have to come up with one more, you know. Shit. Fuck. Okay, I will. Rule of threes. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. I'm a comedy professional. I know rule of threes. <laughs> yeah. Was, that uh, was for the listener. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I, I do think there are there are moments like that, you know, kind of, kind of let you know that they get how crazy some of this stuff is. I think is, so. There's no way you can throw a pit bull at a guy in a fight because that means – if you think about what's going on, he would have had to have uh, if you're if you're Bodhi, if you're Swayze, yes, you would have had to run out of the front of that house mm-hmm. with him right behind you, see this pit bull, yeah, and decide I'm going to pick this dog up and <laughs> wait until he gets here <laughs> and then throw, throw it, it at him. him. <laughs> um, it's so great. It is awesome. It's, I had it forgotten rules. about that moment, and it's one of the, like one of the great great moments. Yeah, and it is in the middle of. A really well put together, cool chase. Yeah. So it's like you have you have this like cool filmmaking on display, uh-huh. just with these I don't know with these crazy moments that 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 I you know are kind of jokes. Yeah. And there's so much impossible stuff in this movie. Oh yeah. You know that is played really seriously. Uh huh. So yeah. Um. The the jumping back to the beginning that mm-hmm. that first bit of exposition from John C. McGinley uh-huh. is really like. Something else. He's so good in this. Like, you know, the whole deal of, like, writing those uh, exposition scenes at the beginning to, mm-hmm. like, set everything up. And right. there are so, so many clever ways of doing that where it doesn't appear like you're doing exposition. And they just flat out, like, he's walking in the hall and he's like, so you're Johnny Utah, first day on the job, first day in the new city. Yeah. And, like, he literally is like. L.A., bank robbery, capital of the world. Yeah, I mean, he just lays it all out there in, like, 30 seconds. It's so great. Yeah. I know, and exactly. And then, you know, Ke- you know, he he makes this like joke about Keanu's diet. He's like he's like, Oh, you got you know, my guys don't drink, they don't and they hell and they sure as hell don't smoke. Yeah. And Keanu's like, I take the skin off chicken, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> later, like line. in the middle of that conversation, Keanu picks up a donut and he's eating oh, the donut. I didn't notice that. Yeah, and then uh, John C. McGinley says, like, you know, he says something about like what a dick he is and he's like it's like, did they call you because we had an asshole shortage? Right. <laughs> there are a lot of great lines like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And he, I think he is definitely a heightened kind of comic version of the, like, hard-ass police chief. Yeah. You know, I think they definitely – he's kind of a sketch comedy version of that archetype. Well, and it's it's full of good actors. I mean, this yeah. could have been um, – this could have been a different movie if it would have been Van Damme. Sure. Surrounded by nameless right. hacks. Sure. But, like – yeah, John C. McGinley in a very small role. He's a great actor. Totally. And kind of across the board, I mean, Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves. He's Keanu and he's Ke- I mean, he's Keanu and hard in this. Yeah, I used to make fun of him and then I had a friend who worked with him and he said, A, the nicest dude yeah. you'd ever meet. And he said, B, he he beats himself up so much about the job that he's doing. Really? And I instantly like felt bad. Mm-hmm. As a person, yeah, for making fun of his acting, I know. I mean, I he's, think he's really trying. I think he is trying, and I think he's doing. A, I, and again, it's like how much of Keanu is on purpose. Yeah, I think a lot of it. I mean, like if you look at like Bill and Ted, like he's right. this crazy version of a Valley Stoner guy. Yeah, 
and then kind of like walked that back for subsequent movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I do. I do think he he knows what a Keanu is supposed to do, and I think he's gotten better over the years as an actor. Yeah, um, it's that tone, that voice of his. Yeah, it's it's sort of hard to leap past that, right? Sometimes because he does sound like Ted or Bill. Wait, shit. Uh, Ted, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna get Ted, for Theodore, that Logan. <laughs> That's right. I forget sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a good actor though. I think he is. Yeah, and he's been he's been great in stuff since then, and he definitely like yeah he definitely like kind of plays with his persona in fun ways. I think. Uh, so the ex presidents, I think, is a brilliant sort of conceit. It's awesome for bank robbers. Yeah. Um, because uh. You know, you like you get that moment with like Ronald Reagan in his tuxedo, yeah, spraying this gas torch. Is there a cooler shot a in cool action image. movies? Yeah. And I guess I don't know enough about like Reagan's presidency to like uh, unpack the symbolism of that. Oh, if, sure, like OPEC and uh, maybe right, the oil. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how much political commentary is in that image, but it's so it like it's it yeah it's it's like it's so powerful. Just like yeah, a guy. In a Reagan mask, you know, launching fire all over this uh-huh. gas station. It's really beautiful, too. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, definitely one of my uh, – yeah, great bad guys. Uh, and then uh, Busey, you know. Busey, having recently won an Oscar. What? Yeah, didn't he win for the Buddy Holly movie? Oh, recently then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, so no, not now. <laughs> yeah, he won uh, – I thought you were about now. I was like, dude, I don't think I don't it's know. been a minute since yeah. he's uh, – uh, okay, so he was coming off of an Oscar win in 91 then. I think so. Or close to it, at yeah, least. Yeah, I think so. For the Buddy Holly movie. Um, so yeah, but yeah, definitely like, I mean, you know, this is a, a, a you know, a kind of a, a, a harbinger of things to come for Busey. Yeah, This kind of kooky, uh-huh. out there, yeah, yeah. madman role. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, maybe this is the first time he kind of played this way. Yeah, I like the first, that scene where, uh. There's just so many ridiculous things in it. It's yeah. great. Like they're in the uh, office after that scene over Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which is great. Oh, yeah. And um, Keanu Reeves is like drinking a beer. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. he's drinking a beer. And then Gary Busey takes just a bottle take it, of has Jack a Daniels. Whole, a whole <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniels. It kind of comes from off screen too. I know. Yeah, it's just kind it's of like, like – they're working and yeah. he's just drinking whiskey out of the bottle. Sure. It is – yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, it's yeah, so they great. definitely like – I feel like they definitely let him run wild in this. Uh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of like little Buseyisms. I think there's this point where he's like pointing a gun at this thug and he's like – Speaking to the microphone, squid for brains. Yeah. <laughs> like, that could not have been in the script. Uh, and Lori Petty, like you mentioned, uh, like, the, the, the clothes changing scene. Like, sure. Yeah. She was uh, – man, that was, I mean, if you were a kid back then, yeah. like, Lori Petty was super cool yeah. and, like, pretty, but, like, not like this – she seems somewhat attainable in the way she carried herself on screen. Yeah, I mean, she was a pretty, I mean, she was a pretty, I mean, you know, I mean, I think looking back, like, you know, all of these action movies had pretty, pretty flimsy female characters. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways she is, you know, she is kind of underwritten and, you know, kind of there as a, uh, you know, as kind of a plot convenience. She gets kidnapped, right. has to get saved. Yeah. But like, you know, but. For the time, I do think she was a really, like, a, a pretty, like, amazing, you know, female character that I think these mm-hmm. types of movies did not have. I mean, she – yeah, I mean, I do love – I do love how much shit she gives Keanu when he 
wants her to teach him how to surf. Mm-hmm. There's this great part where she kind of saves him. She pulls him out of the water when he's trying to surf on his own. And as she's kind of running off, he's like, my name is Johnny Utah. And she, you see her off screen go, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the movie was called Johnny Utah at first. Yeah, that's true. So I think they, I don't know, I think that was a joke on the fact that that was supposed to be the title of the movie. And right. she could not give less of a fuck about him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and anyway, she's, and she's great. And I love how she's, you know. She's the most competent surfer, mm-hmm. and you know, in that scene where they're all playing like touch football, she's the one who scores the touchdown. Right. So yeah, they really like you know they really try to round her out in ways that maybe she would not have been if the movie was made by a man. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and again, with with that said, I think she's still you know a, a little bit a little bit flimsy, and I think you would you know you you would not make a movie with a underdeveloped female character like that now, but I mean, I think for the time she was. was 1991. 1991. So yeah, I mean, yeah. And obviously like, you know, definitely like if you were a, you know, if you were a, if you were a little, little punk kid and yeah. uh, she was, uh, she was the, she was the, as, as, as babe a babe as you could get. Yeah, yeah. So. Lori Petty gave many special feelings. Sure. To yeah. me, even as a sophomore in college. And then, you know, then League of Their Own. Yeah. That's another, Anyway. Yeah, she's. Uh, I looked her up too. Actually, she's she's still around. Yeah, still doing it out yeah, there, grinding. Still doing her thing. I imagine she still gets tired of uh, being called Billie Jean on the streets. No, oh, sure. I bet you she got that a lot. Yeah. Uh, who was that actress? Helen something. Oh yeah, Legend of Billie Jean. I know who you mean. I even thought it was Lori Petty, and I was like, no, of course it's not. Yeah. Uh, during the surfing school scene. I'm going to point out some of the cornball things along the way. Please. Cause it's just so oh, great. Oh, yeah, I know. But uh, during the scene where she's teaching him to surf, I don't know if you noticed the lyrics of the song. No, I don't think I did. I will not fall. <laughs> it is like. <laughs> A little on the nose. So on the nose. It's great. Yeah. It's really wonderful. Though. And then I'm learning to surf. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the next song that comes on. Uh, but then she tells him about Bodhi, and this is one of the great lines of the movie. Uh, Bodhi, they call him. Uh, Bodhisattva, he's a modern savage, a real searcher. Yeah, <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> but it sets up that character, you know. It sure does. Yeah, and he's he is he is a really great character, a really like great, complicated, weird villain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is a <laughs> kind of a funny, clumsy intro to him for uh-huh. sure. Modern savage. He's a modern savage. Can you imagine what that looked like on the page? Oh know, yeah, to Lori Petty. She's <laughs> like, yeah. But Swayze's great. I mean, I yeah, was. He's awesome. I was. Uh, I'm not ashamed to uh, stick up for Roadhouse. Fuck man, yeah, Roadhouse rules. Yeah, it's like one of the one of the great movies mm-hmm. I think of of the time. And um, and you know, we're talking about fun movies, not no. obviously not Oscar winners. Sure, yeah. But Roadhouse was great, and yeah. you know, Dirty Dancing. I saw enough to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just sort of like in this movie to see him. We saw him like we had never seen him mm-hmm. with that sort of blonde hair and, you know, all tanned up and stuff. Yeah. And I, I, it was like the coolest Swayze I had seen, I think. I know. And the movie definitely like – the movie definitely like ogles him, yeah. you know, definitely in a – you know, if – if you know, if we if we definitely ogle Lori Petty a little bit when she's changing clothes, it uh-huh. definitely like really let you let you drink Swayze in yeah. for a lot of this. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, which I uh, which I think is kind of cool that he's <laughs> objectified that much. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just a just a great character and I love I love how how spiritual he is compared to the rest of the doofuses in the gang. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. He, he talks a lot about it. Um and it's even like bullshit 
in a way because he talks about like how much he hates violence, mm-hmm. like in the midst of committing tons yeah. of acts of violence. Yeah, I mean, they really like they do make a meal out of the moment in the foiled bank robbery where he has to shoot the undercover cop. Sure. Like they definitely linger on that as yeah. being, you know, and you can kind of see his eyes through the mask. Yeah. You can see his eyes, you know, n- you know, you could see him realizing that he's turned a corner. Yeah. That like shit's falling apart. It's a really cool little moment for sure. Yeah. I think it works. Yeah. And I mean, but I mean, obviously like, yeah, there is a, you know, there is, there is a, uh, there is a disconnect about how, what a peaceful chill dude he is and how much, shit he kicks yeah throughout the movie during that one great scene he talks about the purpose of the whole thing is like he's like it's not about money man yeah oh yeah it's people in their fucking coffins on the freeway coffins their metal coffins (laughs) so they are he's he's literally saying that they are keeping the human spirit alive right by robbing banks yeah creating like violent mayhem sure like showing all these people like the human spirit is still alive, everybody. I know. I think that <laughs> very flimsy. Yes, that point could have been better illustrated. It would have uh-huh. been nice to see. I don't know, like, oh, people are dressing up like the ex presidents, right? You know, it wasn't a flash mob, though. No, uh, it does seem like you're just <laughs> robbing banks and masks. Although maybe that's you know maybe that's part of the maybe that was just what they were telling themselves, yeah, right? <laughs> they were like, oh, this is inspiring people. Uh, we get Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis cool. in a little cameo. Yeah. Is one of the, there's like, yeah, they're the, yeah, it's like Swayze and his gang are the good thugs. And right. then we have this group of bad thugs. Man, those guys. Like, yeah. They were legit scary. I remember like when I first saw that movie being totally. pretty freaked out. Yeah. Those are some like severe looking yeah. surfer burnouts. Yeah. Well cast. Everybody there is really well cast, I think. Yeah, and the raid scene on their house was really great. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. Uh yeah, a lot of a lot of funny little like visual jokes in that. Right. It is funny how, you know, there's you know, the, the this kind of movie of the time always had a moment where there was just a nude woman. Uh-huh. I think that's part of, as a teenager, why we liked them so much. Sure, that, they, they would find any reason to have just nakedness. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's in Commando, there's this shot where Arnold is fighting someone at a motel, and he throws someone through the door, and there's just a nude woman <laughs> in the hotel being nude. Sure. Uh, so this, this, this raid scene has a woman who is just in the shower, uh-huh. but she... Beats up like three people, yeah. like stabs a guy in the back. So I She's like that the they're badass in that scene. Actually. Yeah, I like that they are. You know, and again, I think it's part of, you know, part of the argument for this movie being a kind of commentary on these kinds of movies, uh-huh. in that the gratuitous nude woman actually uh, hurts a bunch of people and is she kicks Keanu's ass. Yeah, and she doesn't just she doesn't just you know. I mean, obviously we're <laughs> you know we're we're trying to intellectualize a moment right. of TNA, which is <laughs> you know there's some. There's some intellectual gymnastics going on here, but I do I do think that was a conscious decision, and yeah. I do think it is them saying that you know can we can we give can we give a little more agency to these right to these nude women? Yeah, <laughs> I mean she does. She kicks more ass. In yeah, that she scene just than randomly grabs a knife and stabs somebody. Yeah, so yeah, but yeah, very cool scene. I love it when Anthony Kiedis accidentally shoots himself in the foot. Oh, so great. Yeah, yeah, that one really stood out to me as something that like stuck with me. And I also love – I love in these scenes, in these kinds of, like, movies when just random dirtbags have crazy automatic weapons. Yeah. Their weapons arsenal is insane. It's yeah, like these yeah. guys are drug dealers, but they have – they seem to have grenade launchers. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do. That guy – that one dude had that whatever that was, that weird 
Tommy gun shotgun yeah. like hybrid or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> I know. It's like, how do these guys get I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a yeah. maybe that's a commentary on gun culture. I don't know. <laughs> but Well, I had friends too, like this um so I was a sophomore in college and my best friend from high school was one of these suburban um inland suburban kids who was still way into like the skater and surf, uh, surf culture. Mm. So he went to college in Florida so he could surf. And I went down there a couple of times and like I knew these dudes. Yeah. Like this this every one of the ex presidents I felt like I met at Flagler College. Yeah. Uh and I I knew those surf and of course I'm sure you did growing up. Totally. Yeah. Like these were real people. Um they, they I mean they didn't seem like they were like forty years old like these guys did. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a culture that, yeah, there's a guy in this who's like, I'm going to die before I'm 30. I'm like, "Mm, you were 35 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go back in time and commit suicide if that's going to happen. I remember that part. Yeah. I'm (laughs) going to die before I'm 30, man. (laughs) Okay. But I kind of knew like who these guys were and and the whole, uh, like violent surf culture is like a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I think there, you know, you do hear, I, it's funny. There's that documentary about. Uh, about uh, Venice skateboard culture, Dogtown and Z Boys. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Sure, and you know it really like romanticizes that uh-huh. kind of late seventies skate culture. And you know, I guess the idea is that it started with surfing. You know, mm-hmm. it started with surfing, and then you know when they couldn't go out in the water because it was too polluted or whatever, they would skateboard. Mm-hmm. So it starts out with all these like seventies skaters talking about their time as surfers, and they're like. And, you know, and this is supposed to be a fun part of the movie. Yeah. There's this part where one of the guys, like, you know, Tony Alva or something like that goes, it's like, yeah, you know, we were pretty protective of our breaks. It was locals only. So yeah. if we saw a guy out in the water we didn't recognize, we would stand up on the pier and drop a cinder block on him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not fun. You're, you, you're probably a murderer. Right. That probably, that would kill someone. And he's talking about it like childhood antics. I know. Ha ha ha. We yeah. would drop cinder blocks on people from peers <laughs> if we didn't recognize them it's like it's like that's supposed to be a fun culture but like yeah you the, you guys were kind of psychos you know yeah. and maybe you know maybe people's brains were kind of fried from drugs yeah. so yeah i think that that world of 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 extreme sports uh definitely has like a little dark side that i think this thing played with in a, in a fun yeah. way yeah and like i'm glad that they made <laughs> sense out of what they were doing because when you're first seeing that movie, well, when you're first seeing it, when you're 20 or whatever, you just believe whatever. But sure. when I was watching it yesterday, I'd kind of forgotten the detail that they were running meth. Yeah. And I was like, why do these guys have all these guns and what's going on? Right. And, but they were truly bad dudes. Of course. Like running drugs and uh, what's his name? Tom uh, Sizemore? Oh, yeah. He was the guy. Oh, yeah. That got all pissed off. Sure. It's kind of an early Sizemore mm-hmm. appearance. Again, this movie filled with uh, filled with better actors than yeah. it needs. Yeah, much better actors than it needs. Uh, I have a note here that just says, I'm fucking surfing. That's during, <laughs> during the midnight surf. Yeah. The, like Keanu actually yells right. that out. Right, and he's like, it, then, when this becomes, yeah, I mean, I think that's the day, or that's the night, rather, when it goes from being an undercover job to like, I'm in too deep. Yeah. Like, I love these guys. Yeah. It's when he and Lori Petty have sex on the beach. Right. They kiss out in the water on their uh-huh. boards. Yeah, that was Beautiful pretty, moment. Pretty great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think that's the, you know, that's kind of the turning point for him. 
Yeah. Oh, just one more quick note before we move on from the uh, meth house. Uh-huh. It starts with people are staking them out, and you see one of the meth guys uh, pouring <laughs> pouring beer on cereal. Yeah. Anyway, that's so funny. It's great. Great little like great little visual joke. Well, and that's like uh, this does have James Cameron's fingerprints on it. Sure. For better or for worse. Yeah, I think he. I think the you know at least according to IMDb trivia, he and Catherine Bigelow kind of rewrote an existing script. Yeah. That there was because they were dating, right? I think they were married at this point. Oh, okay. um, I'm not. I don't know for certain, but uh, I think they were right. married at this point. Uh, yeah. So I think they rewrote it together. And yeah, there's definitely some Cameron shit in this. Yeah. There's definitely. I mean, yeah, definitely some of the, you know, some of the more awkward dialogue. I would go ahead and probably attribute to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, he's man has made some amazing films. Yeah. Where do you stand on him? Uh, boy, I mean, you know, Cameron movies are always, uh, they're always a blast and they always look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the man is not a master of dialogue or maybe he's doing it on purpose. Maybe he's trying to make things more like a fairy tale or simplistic or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would think that I always, I always like them. Um, but yeah, but they always have some, they always have some like kind of cornball eye roll stuff that you got to get past yeah. to enjoy the spectacle. No, I so. agree. His writing is not a strong suit. No, uh-uh. Let somebody else write him, Cameron. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he's going to You don't got to write him. <laughs> uh, the bank stakeout scene kills me because they're, they're staking out this bank. <laughs> yeah. And just, they're the they're the worst stakeout guys ever. Yeah. He's like, go get me a sandwich. Yeah. And this it's all happening behind him. Utah, give me two. <laughs> he's reading the comics. Yeah, he's reading. Yeah, he, they're literally in there robbing the bank. You see, is like laughing at <laughs> laughing at Calvin and Hobbes know, in the newspaper, great. and uh-huh. he makes uh, Keanu go get him meatball sandwiches. Yeah, two meatball sandwiches. Yeah, and the whole thing is going on right behind them. I know. And then he gets back, and he's like, "Hey, you know that uh, that Continental? How long's that been there?" It's like, "What Continental? That's it's re- like, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> yeah, they're such boobs." <laughs> It was a good scene, though. The bank robbery scene. Yeah, it's neat. Is, is pretty cool. And, like, I think the – I mean, listen, it is what it is. It's point break. But there really is something going on with the last half hour of that film mm-hmm. where Keanu – like, the the coolest thing that happened in the movie, I think, is when after that he was outed mm-hmm. with after the big foot chase with Swayze, Swayze and the gang show up at his house. Yeah. And are just like – What's up, man? I know, yeah. There Why is, is your face cut? Yeah. Like, that really ramps up the tension. Totally. I mean, it definitely shows, you know, it definitely, like, is a good example of these guys, you know, this gang will just take that adrenaline rush wherever they can get it. It's mm-hmm. like how they live their lives. I mean, they are kind of junkies. It's like, at that point, they could leave town. Mm-hmm. They successfully robbed the bank, mm-hmm. but they like go to fucking taunt Keanu. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, these guys, you know, these guys are just, you know, living on the edge at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a neat moment. The like, wh- who's going to say we know first. Right. You know. Yeah. Someone's going to blink. Right. Uh, and, and that sequence is good. The skydiving. Sequence. Yeah. The skydiving is awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think Squacey did, did his own skydiving. 
He did. Yeah. He, he, he got into it. Definitely. You yeah. can tell when you're watching it. Yeah, you can see some of those dirty dancing moves. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, he's a trained dancer. He does have, like, beautiful, like, he just arches back in beautiful ways. Nice aerial moves. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, uh, yeah, he's so graceful. He's, uh, yeah, he's a really, really beautiful performer, even when skydiving. Um, yeah, definitely that, like, who packed my shoot moment is yeah. really cool. It's really a cool moment of tension. Totally. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of skydiving in this movie. Yeah, but then they, like, um, ramp it up even further by, like, forcing him to take part. I thought, like, I thought this movie got really good in that third act. Yeah. Like, it was fun, mm-hmm. but that third act was s- some legit poker playing and, totally. and chess matching, mm-hmm. I think. To like force him to go and rob the bank, they have Lori Petty mm-hmm. with with the one metalhead who all he does is like spit and kick. I think the his fire. name is Rosie. <laughs> Rosie, yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was a good move. Like all of a sudden, Keanu was part part of the gang. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really like that part of like you kind of see Keanu enjoying this stuff. You know, he had lived, yeah. he had led this kind of button up life. They talk about him going to Quantico, right? Uh, yeah, you kind of like see him enjoy robbing the bank, and mm-hmm. there's this moment of like, yeah, and there, it's like it's Swayze trying to convince him that this is the way to live. Yeah, like I felt like that for sure. Swayze wanted him to be on the team. Yeah, totally. Didn't he? Mm-hmm. he wants you to turn him. Yeah, I mean, I think that was yeah, that seemed to be like, you know, it, it, right? It's like this is not this is not helping you rob the bank, but it is part of your mo to see if you can absorb more people into this gang. Right? You know? Yeah, and you could definitely tell that they were like. You know, they had he, a connection. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the other love story of the movie. It is really like is between between Johnny Utah and Bodie. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's definitely a a you know, yes, there is there is that love story going on too. Yeah, that's interesting because I never really kind of put that all together until watching it last night. And they like and they spare each other so much in this. Like there are so many chances where one could have killed the other one, mm-hmm. but they stop at the last second. Yeah. Um, you know, Keanu not shooting him in the alley. I think yeah. at the end it's like he, you know, Bodie's drowning him and lets him up, but there's this right. moment about like they just can't end it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they just have to keep keep themselves in this cycle. Yeah, he uh well, you know, they have the, the great shootout at the at the airport. Yes. Where basically everybody dies but them. Yeah, boy, this is a real bloodbath. I really forgot how many main characters just eat it in the end of this movie. Yeah, and even uh, James LaGrosse, they, you know, he doesn't quite die yet. Mm-hmm. But his, his plan, you know, Bodie's plan is, all right, you've got two bullets to the chest, but – we're going to parachute you down into Mexico with a bag full of money. <laughs> I know, and he hands him a big gun, too. <laughs> He's like, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. So this this plan is solid. I know, the guy just kind of flops out of the plane, too. That was a funny part, actually. Yeah, he I was know. like, whoa. Whoa, okay, bye. <laughs> I know, I'm sure skydivers take issue with some stuff in this movie. Yeah. But, uh, you know. It's a cool moment, though, when all Keanu in the, All in the out. service of fun. Yeah. yeah without a shoot. Like, without a shoot. He says, fuck it. Yeah. That's, that's one of the great moments. I know. Yeah. He does say, fuck it. And yeah. Then, uh, he literally says, fuck it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they have that one, you know, part of the whole one-upmanship of, like, who's more extreme. Right. Like, that carries to its final conclusion there with the, the parachuting. Yeah. Like, they literally have a conversation while they're falling to their death. And then, yeah, and then I think at the at the end, uh, Patrick Tracy says, you're one radical son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then there's a, here's a weird part in that, though. I mean, I think they keep going back to Keanu's trick knee. Right. Because that's what kept him out of football. Right. And then, you know, I think later on in the movie, he injures it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and after they skydive, 
mm-hmm. with two men, one parachute, mm-hmm. and hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Swayze gets up to get away, and Keanu's knee acts up. Right. It's like, that's right. – <laughs> like, you have so many other injuries at this point. Like Right, but he's like, no, it's the old college. Oh, my yeah. knee. <laughs> Uh, but it ends like the, and the only way it could end. Yeah, uh, that that great final uh, scene with at the fifty year storm. Yeah, he finally finds the finds that wave he's been chasing all his life, yeah. and Keanu lets him go to have one last ride. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's cool when he catches up to him and he tells him like I was like a week behind you in Sumatra, and mm-hmm. I just missed you here, and like his hair's long now. And yeah, so like you get this real sense that he's been you know. On this mission. There's a whole other movie there. There is. Of like Keanu tailing yeah, Swayze to surf spots. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, they should have made that movie. I know, right? There's so much more point break to be explored, I think. It's <laughs> it's I mean, you know, obviously I will have the cold take that there are too many sequels and reboots, but come on, let's 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 mine yeah. this shit. It's rich. Did you see the remake? Yeah, I did. It's what was bad. it just the it's worst so thing ever? So boring. Yeah, it's really boring. There's a remake in 2015. Right. And I think it has the it has the dubious honor of being one of the like lowest grossing movies of that year. Really? I think it really released it on Christmas Day even. Huh. And I watched it on an HBO when it kind of came out later. Um and the like the extreme sports stuff is really beautifully shot. I think it was all shot, you know, with IMAX in mind. Right. So there's like wingsuit stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I think all that is really cool to look at, but it seems like just a, you know, a demo for a flat screen TV in Best Buy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, look at this. And then the story is so boring. Everybody is such a nothing. Uh, all the actors are such nothings. And I think, you know, like like we were saying, part of, you know, part of part of what makes this movie so great is that like there's all these cool, fun actors mm-hmm. acting in this, yeah. you know, uh, in this kind of corny action movie. So yeah, they really like just pick good-looking zeros to play all the characters. Right. And it is not funny. It's not funny. That's what people like about Point yeah, Break. They don't... for sure. People aren't... I mean, the action is cool. The skydiving is cool. But they're not... The, the reason it's a classic movie is not that. Yeah. You know? So I think they really just missed the point of Point Break. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, if it didn't... If it didn't have a sense of humor about itself, then it's just... Yeah, I know. It's... Schlock. It's, yeah, it just completely... Yeah, it just completely did not know what people like about the yeah. first one. So... Uh, all right, you got anything else on, on PB? Man, I don't know. It's great. I don't know if there's a nice Criterion <laughs> Blu-ray of it out there somewhere, but uh, it seems like, yeah, Criterion, get on that. I would like to see some behind-the-scenes shit. Me too, yeah. Uh, I, I do have one more line in here. Please. When uh, when Bodie is uh, faced with Keanu at the end in the airplane, he said, I know you want me so bad. It's like acid in it's your like mouth. It's like acid. Oh, yes. I know. I was like, very erotic. Mean? It's like acid in your mouth. Uh, my, my, you know, kind of, kind of playing with that dynamic where Swayze is so much more articulate than his gang. Mm-hmm. There's this great moment in the van on the way to the last jump, which mm-hmm. has like five classic lines in it. Yeah. That van ride has so much, so full of great dialogue. Uh-huh. Uh, it has, I am an FBI agent. Yeah. Uh, Swayze says, why be a servant to the law when you can be its fucking master? Yeah. And then his goon turns around and just goes, fucking A. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I love it, man. Yeah. There's definitely some James Cameron going on there. Of course. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. All right, buddy. We finished with five questions. Yes. Uh, what's the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Ooh, boy. I think it might be it might be Disney's Aladdin. Okay. What year was that? I don't know. I had to have seen movies in theaters before that. It's the first trip to a movie theater that I really remember well. Okay. Well, this is the first one you remember. So. Yeah. And the first one I saw alone was Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, yeah. Nice. First movie I saw without parents. Okay. Was it just you or was it did you I think have a so. Friend? I think they dropped me off at the mall. I think mom <laughs> shopped and then came back to get me when it was over. Nice. Uh first R-rated movie? RoboCop 2. Oh. Yeah, and I there's a I have not seen it since, mm-hmm. but there's this scary image of a brain in a jar that's just burned into my brain. Yeah. And I think it really scared me. Uh-huh. The brain in the jar. <laughs> uh anyway, no, I I've been meaning to go back and rewatch RoboCop 2 because I like RoboCop 1 a lot. I've, that's great. I've seen that. That Many was uh, Joe Randazzo's pick. Really? When Yeah, we did this like a year ago. Oh, nice. I should uh, listen to that. Yeah, it's um, good. Yeah, RoboCop's great. And again, just a great movie that is kind of at once a cool action movie and kind of a commentary on them, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's called Take. And know? it has a sense of humor. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, uh, yeah but I've, I, I should revisit too and see if that brain is as scary as I remember it. <laughs> uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? I've walked out of two movies. Usually, no. 
I usually kind of like, I mean, I kind of, you know, growing up with Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. as I did, uh, watching a bad movie is kind of fun. Yeah. I even kind of like it, especially if you're with people and you can kind of yeah. goof on it. It's, yeah, sometimes a bad movie is fun and they can be interesting too. Right. It's like, what went wrong? Uh, but I think if the people I'm with uh, are having a bad time, I am more likely to walk out. Okay. Um, the two I remember walking out of is one in high school. It is a Gabriel Byrne horror movie called Stigmata. It is about mm-hmm. the concept of stigmata Vague where people, yeah, people, that. people, you know, kind of through miracles get Christ's wounds. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very scary, but I think the people I with I was with were very religious and were insulted by it. Oh. So we left and got our money back. Because I of think, God. Yes, because of God. <laughs> I think we, yeah, I can remember the friends I was with going up to the ticket counter and saying that the movie was blasphemous. And oh, we wow. we needed our money back. Wow. Uh, I, you know, again, something else I've been meaning to revisit. I should, uh-huh. I should rewatch Stigmata and see if yeah. it was actually, you know. Blasphemous. See, <laughs> see if it was actually blasphemous. I think it probably was. Um not that there's necessarily something wrong with making a blasphemous movie. Sure. Um, and then the other one, and I know this will this will make me <laughs> either a hero or a villain to the listeners. Mm-hmm. I realize this is a loaded one to talk about. Oh, wow. But I walked out of Tiny Furniture, the, the Lena Dunham's. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was her first movie. I think so. It was kind of the progenitor to girls. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the, uh, I saw that. I, I, saw, I saw it on a date, and I think I was not liking it, and my date hated it. So I think we left Tiny Furniture before the third act. Uh, I did go on to really like Girls. I watched Girls to the end, so I don't... I loved Girls. Yeah, I don't... I don't... I do not hate the output of Lena Dunham. Unless you hate her, then I also hate it. (laughs) Don't yell at me online. I know Lena Dunham is the most loaded celebrity to talk about. Uh, Yeah. Maybe loaded two years ago, but uh, I know it's so... It's it's so tough to talk about her because she inflames passions in both directions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yes, Tiny Furniture I did not like, but... um, but have liked some of her subsequent work. Yeah, for sure. Um, I tailored this one to the guess. What movie? Let me see here. Uh, all right. How about this? What What movie? If 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 movies had a writers' room like a lot of TV does, what What movie would you have loved to have been a writer for? Oh, that's a fun one. That's yeah. a really fun one. Um, boy, recently. Uh, Another cold take coming your way. Sure, that Spider-Verse movie was good, right? Oh, man. That was a really fun movie. So great. And it felt like that had a real brain trust behind it. Uh-huh. You know, I think you had, you know, uh, Lord Miller of the Lego movie, but definitely there's so much Marvel comics in there. I mm-hmm. think uh, Dan Slott, the Spider-Man writer, had some input on that. Or yeah. Definitely it was at least based on his uh, some of his Spider-Man stories. So, yeah, boy, that was a such a fun movie and it definitely felt like they were throwing the kitchen sink in there. Yeah. So yeah. And I think the best, you know, the, 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 the best case scenario of a writer's room is you do feel like it's, things are packed with ideas, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, that's definitely one where it, it, God, it just felt like that was probably such a pleasure to yeah. just, you know, spew out all of your ideas and see how you can make it work on screen. Great answer. Uh, And finally, Movie Going 101, Uh, what's your movie ritual? Where do you sit? What do you get? Uh, Yeah, actually, I think I heard – I'm going to copy a a former guest's answer. And I think this is probably something you get a lot is I like sitting by that bar, you know, the (laughs) the, like railing. Sure, between uh, the two sections. Yeah, I like to put my feet up on that bar. Uh Uh-huh. 
Uh, so I try and get a get a seat next to the railing. Um, yeah, you know, uh, nothing nothing too nothing too bonkers. I like uh, I like popcorn with just a dab of butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's um, you know that that movie theater butter has the ability to ruin your day stomach wise. Yeah, uh, but if you can just if the if the if the if you can get just the right amount on uh-huh. it. It's you know it's a razor's edge, right? Uh, much like the characters in Point Break, <laughs> walk the edge between life and death. Nice. I will walk the edge with movie theater butter, trying to put exactly the right amount on. Uh, yeah, popcorn, uh, cherry coke if they got it. Oh, okay. It's the only time uh, the only time I drink a uh, a uh, you know full Sugary sugar soda. sodas mm-hmm. when I'm in a movie. And yeah, I I don't go to too many movies by myself. Uh, I will like watch movies at home, but as far as going to the theater, I usually try and get somebody to go with me. I don't know why. I usually have fun when I go by myself, but it's not something I do a lot. All right. Good stuff, man. That's it. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. All right, everyone. I had a good time talking to Jordan. He's so much fun. What a good guy. Uh, I'm glad we are pals, and I'm glad he agreed to give up some of his time to uh, come in the studio there in Hollywood and talk Point Break with me. What a fun, fun movie. Uh, You can follow Jordan uh, on Twitter. He's a great follow, Jordan underscore Morris, or support him by listening to Jordan Jesse Go on the Max Fun Network, and certainly check out Bubble on the Max Fun Network. Such a good, good show. If you like comedy, if you like sci-fi, and you like silliness, uh, you're going to love Bubble. It's really good stuff. So big thanks to Jordan. I'll see him again in June. We'll hang out and drink some beers together. Can't wait for that at uh, Max FunCon this year. And thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm fucking surfing, man. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from 4 Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.